so from my perspective, everybody's doing something, everybody says they're doing things, but I don't think there is an understanding and a clear consensus across the industry that this is how we're going to be pulled together. Hopefully, as energy lawyers, you know, we can get that together and move forward in that respect. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Stephanie, what is one of the biggest challenges that you face when writing law essays at university? Well, Camilla, it takes such a long time to gain a deep understanding of the area of law I'm focusing on and to work out what the key arguments are in order to critically analyse the topic. It often involves spending countless hours reading lots of books. I just wish there was a simpler way. It's funny you say that because our awesome sponsor, Bloomsbury Publishing, has a book series called Great Debates in Law, which explores the key debates and controversies in different areas of the law, all written by experts in their field. That sounds perfect. Where can I find out more about this book series? Head over to bloomsbury.com and for a limited time only, they are offering listeners of the podcast 20% off any book in the series by using the code GREATDEBATES20 and you can find the details in the description box of the podcast. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future trainee solicitor and LPC student at the University of Law. Today on this episode, we're delighted to be joined by Akil Hunt. Akil is a trainee solicitor at CMS and founder of NRG Lawyers. In this episode, we will be discussing NRG Lawyers, why it was set up, what it aims to do, as well as finding out about Akil's journey into the law. So without further ado, let's hand over to Akil. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Akil. It's so great to have you here. Thanks, Camilla. Good to see you again as well. Yeah, you too. Thank you for joining us. Please could you kick off the episode by providing us with some insight into your education and career history to date? For sure, for sure. No, thank you. And I appreciate that introduction as well. Um, so, yeah, as you said, my name is Akil. Um, in terms of yeah, my education, so I'm a Londoner, as you can probably tell. I was born and raised in London and yeah, studied here my whole life. Um, went to state school, then I went to 
of the sixth form college um, towards the elaborate growth, uh, which is now notorious as a song now. Uh, but back then, it was just a college. And yeah, I went to Nottingham Trent University. Um, I studied there in 2015. So the whole transition into um, going to university over there was very interested in the song because I'd never really been to that part of England. Um, and it was a really adaptive period for me. Then when I finished those studies, I took a bit of time out to work and then I got my training contract and then studied my OPC. Fantastic. And so I, I mentioned in the introduction that you're founder of NRG Lawyers. Could you tell the listeners what NRG Lawyers is and what it aims to do? For sure, for sure. Um, so it actually goes back to the time of the university and going to Nottingham Trent University. And I genuinely believe that when I was in this university, as soon as I got there, there was all of these preconceptions that, you know, I red brick, you're not smart enough, you don't deserve to be here. It was almost those insecurities, self-doubt, but also others in the profession almost insinuating that if you're not part of the elite institutions, then you're most likely going to be not able to get through to the door. And I didn't really like the idea because I thought, well, I'm smart enough to get to university. I know not many people even got here. So clearly, I've done something right to get here. That doesn't prevent me from getting to where I want to go. So I thought to myself at that time, this really can't be right. And I went throughout university, understanding this issue. And then fortunately, I got through those challenges and managed to then get into the industry. But that whole feeling of you didn't go to an Oxford, you didn't go to a Cambridge, you didn't go to a Russell Group, it wasn't necessarily um, as much as a challenge as it was when I was going through the process. But I still recognised that my mentees were going through similar challenges. And in the industry itself, I recognised not many people itself was there. And I genuinely felt that this needs to change. This can't be 2021. And everybody's still thinking that it's challenging getting to university as a non Russell Group student graduate. And from there, I just had lots of conversations with people. Um, wanted to see whether or not they felt it was an issue as well. And I spoke to like 30, 50 people and everyone said, yeah, this is an issue. People got training contracts and pupillages maybe a year ago to people who've been in the industry for 10, 15 years. And we all came together and said we want to try and make a change with that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm the chair of NRG Lawyers and I have a fantastic team as well that's assisting facilitators of all of us across the country from Nottingham to Birmingham to Newcastle to London. So yeah, it's been a fantastic journey so far. We've got a lot to showcase for ourselves. I just think it's brilliant that you decided to set up NRG Lawyers. I would have really appreciated something like this platform. When I was at university, I went to the University of Kent, which is a non-Russell Group university as well. And I remember having conversations with people in the library at uni and it would be like, oh, what are you doing after? And everyone would be talking about, I don't know, it wasn't really commercial law that people were focused on. It was other areas of law. And it was, I remember a conversation. I can't remember it in that much detail, but I remember the vague idea was that people from this uni wouldn't apply for com- for commercial training contracts. That would be yes. Oxford, Cambridge, Red Brick Unis. Like, it's not really for yes. us. Yes. So I got that preconception in my head and thought, okay, well, I'm obviously not good enough to do that. So... Anyway, kind of long story short, it took me about six, seven, eight years to decide to get the courage to actually apply for um, a training contract. And it wasn't until I started to see other people's journeys from 
from you know people who hadn't gone to Russell Group or Oxbridge Unis. And um, I saw they got training contracts, and so I thought if they could do it, I can do it. So I think this platform yeah. will be that inspiration for people who maybe hear those whispers in the library and maybe yeah. wouldn't know any different if it wasn't for this. So yeah, I think it's brilliant. Definitely. Definitely. And just to add on to that, those whispers in the library, they can be so deadly because, you know, you get all of these rumours from people saying that, you know, no one ever goes here and, you know, you can't do that. And it's more of the fear of everyone else telling you you can't do it as opposed to you can't actually do it. It's also to get to the point where lecturers, they'd be very much from these institutions. And then they might be telling you that, oh, good luck trying to get there. I don't know many people that get there. And it's almost like I look down upon you because they don't think that you can do it. And it almost sets that ceiling only there, but really the ceiling should be up there. But I think with everything that we've been doing so far, having a conversation with law firms, with chambers, universities, there'd be a fantastic people like yourself and other people in the industry who really bastion that idea that it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're 27, it doesn't matter if you're 21, it doesn't matter if you live in Leicestershire, it doesn't matter, whatever. If you want to get into the industry and you have talent and the attitude to do it, you're going to do it. And, you know, we'd be really making the platform one where we can authentically deliver on that. So, yeah, it's, it's going well so far. Fantastic. So, that being said, it's no secret that firms do sometimes heavily recruit from Oxbridge or non-Russell uh, Group unis. Do you think that law firms and non-Russell Group unis are doing enough to make the playing field equal? Um, if not, what more do you think that they could be doing? It's an interesting one because, from my perspective, everybody thinks they're doing something, right? If you go to um, uh, a medical law firm, what are you guys doing? They'll say, oh, we're doing this, this, that. And then you'll go to a sort of, sort of white shoe firm, you'll go to the different firms, and they all say, we're doing something. You'll go to chambers, we're doing something, university. But the reality is, everybody says they're doing something. But what they are doing and what they could be doing and what they should be doing are all very different variations of different things. And from my perspective, I think everybody's doing something, but I don't think there is a a consensus on the best approach to tackle this issue. And I genuinely think after going through these conversations, and I say the word genuine within this because I believe this conversation needs to be an honest and candid one of transparency. Because I don't think anywhere, anywhere near enough effort has been put in place to make sure that the playing field is wide for those that, especially after the pandemic, you know, going through the trials and tribulations and the trauma of studying from home, sometimes not having as much resources and having to deal with your family whilst you're having to go through that education system. If you don't go to a Russell Group institution as a result of that, and there is some situation that's transpired. How is that your fault? Is that due to the fact you're not smart? Is that due to the fact you're not resilient? Is due to the fact you haven't got the competencies? I don't think that's the case. And I don't know whether or not this empathy and this perspective has really been understood by the industry. So from my perspective, everybody's doing something. Everybody says they're doing things. But I don't think there is an understanding and a clear consensus across the industry that this is how we're going to move forward together. And hopefully as NRG lawyers, you know, we can get that together and move forward in that respect. I think that's very powerful. And what do you think, I mean, we've touched on these a little bit, but what do you think some of the challenges that non-Russell group aspiring 
lawyers face when pursuing a career in law and what do you, and how do you think those could be overcome? The, the challenges are multi-layered are based on the conversations that I've had. But I think the primary challenge um, in conjunction with other challenges is confidence. I think a lot of people go to these institutions, they sit down in their lectures, the first thing that they're told is only so many people can get into the industry. It's a very selective industry. And you're not many people from here get there. And then you'll go to a law event and you'll see everybody way more prepared than you on paper. Everybody having open days, everyone having vacation schemes, everybody seeming that they're better than you. And then that whole feeling of inferiority kicks in and then you feel like, oh, I can't really do this. I might as well go do something else with my life. And then loads of people go to institutions and then go to other careers. I think confidence is a massive challenge that NRG students and graduates face at this time, particularly those that came out of COVID. And I think within that, the soft skills of knowing how to speak in an interview, how do I relay these points? How do I show that I'm commercially aware? I think these kind of subtle things, which may be talked about on paper, but not practically addressed, I think some people struggle to know how to address that and how to communicate that intelligence that they have. So I think the confidence and the soft skills are really things that I think need to be addressed. Yeah, I think confidence is so important. It's it's the thing that, yeah, makes allows you to put yourself out there and actually apply for those roles in the first place. And then also what enables you to come across um obviously confident in the interview, which can actually help you to get the training contract or the vacation scheme. Um, but but it's not something that can be developed overnight. So I think it is something that, um, yeah, non-Russell Group students would have to kind of develop. And, and for me, um, that was something that I developed through uh, me- mentors, really. Having mentors help me and... Um, also, yeah, putting myself out there on platforms such as this, like the podcast, and just getting involved in lots of extracurricular activities, because I think the more you do and the more you put yourself out there, that can that can really, really help. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's it really has to be kind of worked on if if your confidence has been knocked from from some of those experiences that we that we mentioned already. And so what was your own journey like to securing a training contract? That's a, that's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in terms of my journey to securing a training contract, it wasn't easy at all. Mm-hmm. When I went to university, I didn't know what a training contract was. I knew that there was some firms that were really good. I knew there were some firms that others think wasn't really good. And even the term really good, I know is still so subjective now having spoken to people in my team who are not at the biggest Chinese firm, they're way better lawyers than I would ever be because they're just so rigorous and they're so fantastic at how they do things. You know, I just look at them in all because I think to myself, wow, you could have been anywhere and look how fantastic they're doing where you are. And I think it's a real testament to how much they've grown. But within my journey, I remember so many times where, as you said, I put myself out there, I tried to, you know, take responsibility. I was from the beginning of university, I was saying, I want to represent my law school. I want to teach French. I want to apply for these around competitions. I want to do video debate competitions. I don't even know how to do this, but I'm going to find a way to make sure that when I do, I do it as I would as a lawyer in the future. And that enabled more opportunities to open up for me, scholarship opportunities, 
work experience opportunities, constantly breaking on the door, there's even a time where I was like, I'm going to go out there to everybody. I just need to have work experience because I don't feel confident in what I'm trying to achieve. I don't even care what's coming up. I need to get experience. I need to be around. I need to listen and be in the room. And fortunately, after knocking on the doors and speaking to hundreds of people in the industry about their journeys and people looking to get in, I was able to develop that confidence, develop more commercial awareness by understanding stakeholder analysis, understanding how these different politicians and different societal issues or different economic issues intersect in the business world and understand how to talk about my experience in a way that doesn't say, oh, I sat in an office for a week and, you know, I was with this great lawyer called Martin. Yes, Martin was, you know, fantastic for what he did. And I didn't waffle anymore. I said, you know, during my work experience, I was reviewing contracts and I know how to articulate that experience to make them understand that I have the skills to be a great trainee. So that journey wasn't easy. I came from a council state in London from the single parent household, knowing how to conduct yourself in this environment. It was the antagonist of that reality. But I think having good role models and having you know, networks which were really supportive was really helpful in that way. Um, as well as getting involved in, you know, initiatives outside of my studies that negotiate competitions and profiling the society. So, yeah, it was really useful to have those experiences and it really helped shape why I'm not. I really, I really love that story. Before we get into the second half of the episode, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of today's show and the law school that I chose to study my LPC at, and that's the University of Law. The University of Law believes in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. Their experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life experience from the start. They offer a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment-focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. I'd love to move on and talk about imposter syndrome now because I saw that you spoke about it on LinkedIn recently. Um, And so I wonder if you could maybe talk about your experiences with that. For sure. So firstly, I just want to say LinkedIn is a fantastic platform to share experiences. And for whoever's listening right now, I really encourage you to go onto LinkedIn, be proactive on their good relationships because LinkedIn changed the way that I approach networking, it changed the way I approach building a personal brand, it changed the way that I am as a lawyer because I understood a lot more of how to position who I am through the medium and not pose as if I am this person and be more authentic in that. And with regards to imposter syndrome from my perspective and how I've gone through that journey of still overcoming it because it hasn't gone away, it still exists now, it not something that you readily identify as a positive at first. It starts off as insecurity or it starts off as you comparing yourself to others and thinking, I can't really compete with these people. I can't really do as well as these people. I can't. It's all about a negative approach to your perception of your journey. And in my experience, that was one of my biggest downfalls because I felt like if I say water and not water, if I don't, have a bonus of work experience, if I'm not at a Rothschild institution, that undoubtedly made me feel like I'm just not good enough. And a few things that helped me come out of that space, which I really encourage other people to 
take into account if they have imposter syndrome is, as you said, Kimberly, getting involved in things that stretch you and they really make you want to come out, you know, and show what you have in terms of your skills. Also, having people around you that really push you up and not push you down. Because there were some times I was in university, I had my suit on my tie and thinking, hey, I'm professional lad. And some people would be like, why are you wearing a suit and tie? What's wrong with you? Like, you're a weird guy. I go to an exam, I wear a suit and tie. It's for my confidence. It's not to impress you. It's not to feel like I'm above you. It's not to make you feel insecure. It's for my confidence. So I don't feel like an imposter when I become a lawyer. And this was way before I had a trading contract. So I had people around me who gave me that was a confidence that being yourself and being confident in yourself is really going to help you get to where you want to be. And that ownership of identity really helped me. And that's also linked to the final point, which is linked to those experiences, which is I had to almost create who I wanted to be in order to become it. And it's not a figure to your make. I don't really agree with that perspective because I would never say anything in my journey had to be fake to get here because it's all a genuine presentation of my character, who I am. But there were elements of me where I felt, I don't know if that really can be me. Like, I don't know if I can be a lawyer. I don't know if I can be smart. I don't know if I can be articulate in the way they want me to. Which I had to show in my own way. And I think owning how I represent that and owning it through continuously allowing the industry to understand this is me, this is who I am. It allowed me to then transcend into an uh, identity strengthening position. And I just knew who I was and I could go to any room and I could say, look, this is me, take me there. And it meant you had to make a decision on me as opposed to who I'm pretending to be. And I think that really helped me to overcome the question. Yeah, I think it's so important to just be yourself because I've been in the situation before where I've tried to mould myself into what I think is the ideal trainee. And it firstly, it just creates extra layer of pressure that you don't need when you're going through this training contract vacation scheme application process because it's challenging enough already. Uh, and secondly, it 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 just yeah, it's just pointless because you, why would you want to pretend to be someone else? End up working somewhere that doesn't appreciate you for who you are, and then you just end up being most probably miserable. So yeah, it's I think it's really good. <laughs> I think it's really good that we've got this label of imposter syndrome because we can recognise it, know that it's a thing, and then move past it. But, yeah, I don't love the phrase imposter syndrome, so I wish you could, like, read really it work. somehow. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can think of a name and <laughs> watch this space. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so, Akil, did you have any mentors when you are going through this process, or maybe even still now? Um, have they? How have they impacted your journey and what advice do you have for our listeners about how to make the most out of mentorship? <laughs> it makes me smile when I think about my mentorship experience because um, I've been very blessed um, to have some fantastic mentors. And I actually had a conversation with my friend about this yesterday regarding how I got mentors in my life. He's not in law at all. And one thing that I understood about the whole journey of getting a mentor is they have to meet you halfway and it takes as much time for you to give time to your mentor as your mentor give time to you so it's almost like you get what you put in it in a way where it's not cliche it's almost if you're very proactive with them and you're very clear with them your intentions and your ambitions then they will help to guide you where you want to be whereas if you don't really communicate with them you don't really have a conversation with them 
then they might feel less inclined to think they want to invest in you supporting you on your journey. So I had some fantastic uh, mental relationship. I had my first mentor at 17, um, and I had other mentors that came into my life um, during university. I was one of the three programs, and some of them naturally said, I want to take you under my wing, and I want to give you more you know, exposure to the industry, and I want you to come into rooms maybe you haven't been into before. I want you to listen to you know, conversations that maybe you're not as privy to, and it allowed me to have a different perspective as to you know, what does it mean to be a fantastic lawyer and what does it mean to be a human before being a lawyer. And I think those definite strands really help me. And for those that are looking to get mentors, I say first things first, understand who you are. Because if you're looking to get a mentor, you don't even know who you are. Then how is someone going to enable you to become the best version of yourself? Because mentorship is a very, very intrinsically linked to enabling, enabling people to become who they want to be. So you need to know who you are. It starts with self. And the second aspect of finding a mentor is find someone who aligns with your values. Because you don't want a mentor because they're a partner. You don't want a mentor because they're an associate. You don't want a mentor because they're at this shiny place that makes you think there's, there's unicorns and there's rainbows and there's candy at the end of it. You want a mentor who's genuinely going to be aligned with you and is going to help build you. So you need to find somebody that genuinely connects with you on a deeper level so you can have a conversation that elevates you to become the best version of yourself, which may not be straight away. You may find out your interests over a period of time, but that means you have to keep networking, keep asking the right questions, show who you are. And you can't show who you are without knowing who you are. So know who you are, find mentors that align with your values, and most importantly, be persistently consistent and authentic with them. Don't hide if you're struggling. Don't hide if things are really going the best version that you want it to be. Don't just present the perfect picture because I've had challenges in my own mentorship relationship. I still have today where I just want to paint a perfect picture. Say, everything's fine. I need you to help me to be better. When actually the best time mentor can be there for you is when you're having your most challenging time because that's when it's going to enable you to be overcome with obstacles. Because I've had lots of mentors who behave help me to do that, it's easier for me to say I don't need that help because I've got lots of a tribe around me that support me. But if you don't have that, then have your mentor that sound and say, I'm finding this hard, I'm finding this challenging, here's what I'm going through, have you been through this before? And they can give you the advice that can help you to excel. So those are the things I would say. That's brilliant advice. And I think it's great that you had a mentor from 17. That's just wonderful. I'm sure that was really, really helpful. Such a young age to seek out a mentor. I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, that whole story is one of it, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you have any other words of advice for our non-Russell group listeners who are aspiring to a career as a solicitor? Uh, I, I've, I've received so much fantastic advice and um, I've given a lot of advice in the past. Looking back at advice I've given, looking at what I understand now, um, the first thing that I would say in terms of coming to the industry is firstly know why you want to be in the industry. Because this is not a motivational talk. I'm not trying to like just, just buzz you up and say, I oh, know your why. But like, I just want you to understand if you don't know why you want to be in the industry, chances are you're not going to be in the industry. Because if you come into the industry, you don't know why you're going to be there. You'll get in and you'll just leave very quickly because you don't understand the reasoning behind why you want to be a lawyer, what's going to keep you there, what are your interests within law. You're not asking yourself the right questions. So I first start asking the right questions as to why you're going to be in the industry, because that will give you a clearer map as to you know what part of the industry really excites you and really wants you to be the best version of yourself. 
I would then say when you're going into the industry, look at experiences that show the skills in the way that it shows you, not the best way it shows the skills to show an employer. Because ultimately, some people think if it's going to impress an employer, it's got to be a, a, a shiny offer. It's got to be, you know, something that's a paralegal. It's got to be a legal assistant. It's got to be this. It's like you don't think widely. Like doing, you know, a, a podcast with the student lawyer might be a very fantastic piece of experience which can enable you to be a fantastic lawyer just based on the fact you're connecting with people that are aligned with your values. And then that can allow you to then get an experience with somebody that you meet on a student lawyer. And then that could allow you to then get a training profile. But it starts with you going to find things that align with your values and you doing things that represent you. So do experience that represents you. And finally, I'd say treat it like a marathon or like a sprint. And I always use this example nowadays because now I'm in the industry, I understand more than ever that a training culture isn't the end of the line. The training culture is the start of you building a career for yourself, building a reputation, building a brand, building a body of networks that are going to be with you for life. When you're in a training contract, you understand that more so because you're meeting more people, you're meeting clients, you're meeting colleagues, you're meeting business development, you're meeting, you know, the graduate people, you understand how the business works. So as you go through into the industry, make sure that you have it always in the back of your mind that this is going to be a long-term investment into who I'm going to become. And you don't treat a trainer contract, like once I get it, it's going to be fine. Because it might well be fine, but if you don't have the platform to spring from to create who you are in that process, then you're not going to be able to make the best advantage of the opportunity. So that's what I'd say to those that are the news. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure that our listeners will really take a lot away from that. Um, and so where can people go to learn more about and get involved with NRG Lawyers and to also follow your journey? For sure, for sure. So um, with NRG Lawyers, you can find us on Instagram at NRG Lawyers. You can also find us on LinkedIn, um, NRG Space Lawyers. Um, hopefully we still have like, a website where you can find. And with regards to myself, connect with me on LinkedIn, Akil Hunt on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Akil underscore Hunt. Um, LinkedIn is the best place, Instagram is more for messaging. Um, so unless you have inquiries or anything like that, I'd suggest the LinkedIn you can keep in touch with the updates, more so regarding the story. And I have to just say to anyone who hasn't um, come across Akil's LinkedIn page before, he has he posts regularly and his posts are really inspiring, really insightful, and very honest um, accounts of his experiences. So Honestly, they're brilliant posts and you should definitely check them out. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that, I didn't appear to say that, buddy. <laughs> no, exactly. You didn't even tell me to say that. I just, <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, right. Well, that comes to the end of our um, episode. It's been great to have you as a guest. You've shed so much light onto the experiences that us non-Russell Group lawyers face. Um, and the challenges that need to be overcome and the work that you're trying to do to to overcome that so it's been really insightful and you've also given some great tips for our aspiring lawyer listeners out there so thank you so much for coming on the show no worries no worries at all happy to be here thank you for your time thank you and to the listeners thank you so much for tuning in um please could you subscribe to our chat our channel on wherever you listen to the podcast um, to make sure that you never miss an episode and also make sure you give us a star rating and review and we're going to be reading out 
the best and the nicest reviews um, on the show. So do make sure that you leave us a nice review um, to get a shout out on on the show. So yeah, uh, until next time, goodbye. episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment focused experience honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigor and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.